Hi everyone, this is Heather Evans, host of Red, White, and Confused. Before we get into our regular scheduled programming today, I wanted to pause for a moment and give everyone an update on an issue that you may be following related to some of the previous shows that I've had um, on this program. So if you've been paying attention to the Washington County Board of Supervisors meetings and the Confederate monuments that exist outside the courthouse in the middle of Abingdon, there is an update uh, from about two weeks ago. The Board of Supervisors, you may remember, voted to relocate that monument in relationship to the courthouse needs. The courthouse needs to expand, and so those monuments need to be relocated. Um, well, about a, it was a couple months ago, there was a vote taken to relocate it, and then there was an additional vote taken to actually relocate it and create a park that will sit outside the government building off of exit 14. The meeting two weeks ago, the Board of Supervisors decided to um, vote for the amount of money that it will take to relocate those monuments. And it looks as though it they have approved over $150,000 for those two monuments to be relocated to a park that will exist outside the government building at exit 14. I will be back with more information as it is available related to this topic. And now let's turn to our regular scheduled programming. Welcome to Red, White, and Confused. I'm your host, Heather Evans. This week on the show is the third interview in our series on the 2022 election. As I mentioned on the last episode, Red, White, and Confused is part of the weekly lineup at 90.7 WEHC, which is operated at Emory and Henry College. Emory is part of the 9th Congressional District in Virginia. So with that in mind, I have sent an invitation to all of the candidates who are planning to run in this district. Today on the show, I'll be chatting with Kimberly Lowe. Kimberly is a sixth generation Southwest Virginian, and she's a farmer, single homeschooling mother, and policy advisor. She received an associate's degree from Virginia Western Community College in 1995, and her bachelor's in anthropology biology from Radford University in 1998. She also received her master's in chemistry and biology from Holland University in 2001. Kimberly's community involvement includes working with elected officials to improve local communities, helping families navigate issues with child protective services, serving as director of legislation for the Global Family Alliance, building coalitions to reform family courts and child welfare, and starting a mobile COVID-19 test clinic. So Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. So I want to start the show today with some of your background. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to run this year for the 9th District? Sure. Uh, actually, when I had my first civics class in seventh grade, I wanted to go to law school and I wanted to run for Congress. So it's kind of always been on my bucket list of things to do. Um, but I got involved in politics in 2014 because I moved out of Roanoke County into a more rural area. And uh, I found that things didn't function as well as I had seen growing up. And 
what I saw is that people can have more opportunities and really politics at the local level should be nonpartisan. So um, Democrats, Republicans and independents all work together to improve the community. So I actually canvassed to do a congressional run in 2016, but then my husband left uh, at the beginning of 2017 and left me with our six, eight and 10 year old and a farm and I had to get on my feet and then I decided by 2019, I wanted to run for a state seat because you can do a lot in your community, but a lot of it is going to take policy in order to really make a difference. Um, but to be honest, the Republican Party ate me alive. Um, a lot of times people are chose to run for office. I've always been a political outsider. I've always been grassroots. I've never been pat on the back. I have been knocked down over and over and over again. But I will continue to scratch my way into an office so that way I can be a voice for those who are suffering. And way too many people are suffering and they cannot wait years for someone to get in and help save them. And that there's policy out there that will help people, not only in our district, but around the nation. So um, I, I ended up stepping down for that state seat, even though I had been running for a year and a half. I was taking care of, I mean, pretty much everyone came to me for all their problems and I helped solve them because the person in office had just been in for too long. And um, it just got so ugly with the Republican party that um, I said, fine, you can let this other guy have the seat, but I'm going to run for a higher office because I will have the ability to help even more people. And I had people within the state legislature in Virginia to pass any bills that we could you know, put forward. So I didn't really need to be there. Where I really need to be is at a federal office so that way we can have sweeping federal changes. Because again, people don't have years to wait. People don't have jobs. People are dying from the opioid um, and fentanyl, uh, the methamphetamines, addiction crisis. People are losing their children to the state at a really high rate. Southwest Virginia has some of the highest child removal rates. And that's because there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of addiction issues. But it's also because um, there are people in higher places, albeit judges, guardian ad litems, lawyers who are not following state or federal guidelines and laws. And it breaks my heart to see families ripped apart. Um, we spend $29 billion of our social security funds taking children from families rather than helping families that are in crisis. That money, it's a pretty simple fix. There's, there's a, uh, an act, it's called the Adoption and Safe Family Act. That money is going into something called Title IV-E. It makes it a financial incentive to take children from families. That money needs to go into Title IV-B, which would work on generational poverty, housing stability, mental health care access, addiction help, et cetera, et cetera. You know, education. Um, we need services for our families. We don't need to rip them apart. And that's something that I'm really passionate about because when you rip apart Americans at the base, um, you have a dysfunctional society. It has long-term damaging effects that's costing us a lot of money. The parents, many end up uh, committing suicide. They can't function in a job. They can't get out of bed. 
Um, children, there was actually a Harvard study just done last year. It shows that children who have been ripped away from their families have lasting brain damage. And a lot of these kids, when they get out of a foster care system, they don't have any type of family to rely on. Many end up in jail. Um, 88% of the children recovered by the U.S. Marshal Service that were trafficked came out of foster care as well. So in my opinion, there's a lot wrong with the world and there's a lot wrong with policy, but there are certain things that can be fixed within the system. So I'm running because people need jobs, people are dying, the opioid epidemic is out of control and it's destroying Southwest Virginia. And Morgan Griffith has been a long-term, go along, get along career politician. He's a nice guy, he's a hard worker, I think he's really good at paperwork, but he doesn't understand how to directly help people. And he's been ineffective. And really, there is nothing that's going to change if he gets into office for two more years. What is he going to do in those two years that he didn't do in the last 12 in the U.S. House and then 27 years as a career politician? And it is not fair to the people in Southwest Virginia if I was to walk away from them. And no matter what happens in this primary in June, I will fight and fight and fight for the people to make sure that they have what they need so that way they can have a quality of life. So about the ninth district, I noticed that at one time you had thought about running for the fifth district. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the change from the fifth to the ninth for you? Sure. So I, I have a property in the fifth district and it actually got districted out. Um, but sadly, that property has also been caught up in court litigation. Um, one of the reasons I'm fighting is because we have a court system that's destroying our families. It's actually a billion dollar industry. And anyone who's ever been through a divorce or custody situation will tell you how much money they have to pay to lawyers to walk away with nothing. And the estimate 10 years ago is that 22 million American families had been separated. That means that a child never sees a mom again or a dad again or a grandparent again. Um, for me, they took everything from me. I don't even keep a bank account in my name because they destroyed me so much. They don't follow laws. Whoever has the most money wins in court. They illegally stole my home. Um, so it, it, it hasn't been easy. And also, um, I'm sixth generation Roanoke. Uh, it's really great that my hometown where I went to middle school and high school is all of a sudden in the ninth district. That's a game changer for me. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big dream for me to be able to help people. And, you know, even Roanoke County, Roanoke County is in a pretty amazing place and it doesn't have the issues that rural places have, but, you know, they have a, a large homeless population that has moved in right now. And I definitely think that we have got to solve the homeless issue and, and everything that that's involved with that, whether it's mental health access or um, addiction issues, you know, cause uh, yeah, it's, we, we, we've got to just, I think, I think politics is about helping people and that's what it should be about. And I hate party politics. I hate partisan politics. Um, and it's sad that we can't just all get along in order to solve problems because I think really we have a lot in common. Yeah. 
Now, you've mentioned a few issues that directly affect citizens in the Ninth District. With all of the other candidates that I've had on, I've actually asked them this question. So I'm going to ask you, but it sounds like you, you've actually already given me some of this. What do you think are the top three issues facing people in the Ninth District? Jobs, food access. Gosh, this is hard because there's so many problems. Um, and, and I do think addiction is a really, really huge issue for um, a lot of the area. Um, I, I'd like to give you some things that I'd like to work on. So no matter what happens to me, and I hate to be negative, but it's really hard going against the establishment. Like I can't find out when party meetings are. Um, you try to go to a meeting and they keep you from going to a meeting. Um, it's not an easy road. You you try to raise money, but people don't want to give you money when you're running against an incumbent. But in order to reach a voter, the amount of money that it that it costs is just humongous. So, and by the way, along with that, are you right now also trying to get signatures for petitioning because you need to yeah. gain the signatures? Yeah. Um, start doing those the middle of March for me to be viable. I'm going to have to raise a very large amount of money. Um, and I don't want to fall on my face too bad, but it's, it again, it's, you know what, at the end of the day, if I get two votes, um, at least I'm out there giving people a voice and I'm bringing issues to the table. So, I mean, it could be really ugly. I mean, this is not, this is not easy, you know, and people don't do this. You know, there's a reason they don't do it is because, I mean, for example, you can't get a consultant in the state. You can't get a campaign manager in the state. You can't get an accountant in the state. You can't get people to do your logos in the state. I mean, you are completely cut off. It is a huge mountain to climb. But um, I want to talk real quick about things that we can do that may not necessarily require policy. And then I want to talk about, you know, why I need to run and why we need policy, if that's okay. Yeah. So um, we have abandoned coal mines. And the reality is, is that, you know, I know a lot of environmentalists um, are not pro coal, but in reality, we are using coal, but we are getting our coal from other countries. And my point is, if we're going to have coal and we're going to use coal, why aren't we using it locally? And the problem with the coal mines we do have is that they're also foreign owned. So we need to, as Americans, start to take back different industries, abandoned coal mines being one that's going to take investors. Another issue as far as food um, availability is concerned is we've got soaring meat prices. I mean, years ago, I'm, I'm more stable now, but you know, when the kids were little, it was really hard to afford meat. And I know other families in Southwest Virginia are struggling. It's worse right now. And the reason that our meat prices are so high is because there's four main meat processors. They are all foreign owned, Chinese owned. They are jacking up the prices. They're not paying the farmers and they're jacking up the prices to the retailers. The best way to get around that is if we start our own independent meat processing facilities. And this would allow our farmers to be able to make more money that's going to help the economy locally. The average in Virginia is uh, a little over 30 cattle uh, per farmer. So um, everyone could partake and that gets more food out into the community because people are really suffering. Um, I've been traveling for over a year, um, trying to get on the national scene, forming relationships with legislators. So that way, when I get into office, not only do I have experts ready to help me on various issues, 
but I've also come across investors because once you get once you get into higher positions politically, there's a lot of people with a lot of money, but there's also a lot of really good people who want to give back. So in my journey, I came across someone who's also concerned about food availability. And he has basically a business plan to start greenhouses. These greenhouses would bring a large number of stable jobs for decades. They'd be good paying jobs. I mean, I think a greenhouse job would be a fantastic job and it would also bring food into the community. Um, I'd also like to see a ski resort in Dickinson County. They have space there for that. If you bring in some investors and you bring in a ski resort, you're going to bring in people from other states, and you're also going to bring in other businesses that are going to pop up around it. I also met a man who does coffee shops. In my opinion, coffee shops are a great place for people to come together. I know we have coffee shops in our district, but because of the economy, their hours haven't been good. They're not open very often. And really, we just don't have that many. But I have an investor who's willing to come in, open up coffee shops and take a loss. So that way we have a place to come together in the community. And I also met someone who wants to bring in a flight school. Um, the flight school is one thing, but the other thing is when they come into the community, they invest in the community, they invest in kids or whatever issues and things that we need. One of the big issues in Southwest Virginia is that Southwest Virginia has been left alone for so long that they have formed their own governance at town and city councils. There is a major amount of corruption and embezzlement of taxpayer funds. I've been working on this over the last year. I've pulled in a lot of people to work on this. It is not a quick process. We've worked on overturning city councils. And my point is, if you have towns, little tiny towns who over time have taken a million dollars from their citizens and no one has noticed, imagine if we have that money to put it back in for community centers, for addiction treatment centers, and by addiction treatment, I'm not talking about big pharma solutions. We need to get people clean. We need to get them integrated into the community. We need to have businesses partner with people so that way they have a support system because it's been found if you have a group around you, then you're more likely to stay clean. Um, and another really, really huge issue is the Department of Social Services. They really are making a profit. They are not following state or federal guidelines. They make way more money taking children from families rather than putting them back together. Um, so I'd like to clean up the DSS staff. Uh, there's a judge that's overseeing about four counties who's heavily trafficking children. She was put in there because she made a deal with a state senator that's some ugly, dirty stuff that I'll be dealing with. We have plenty of evidence on that. And uh, there's a guardian ad litem in one of the counties who's causing a lot of problems. For those who may be traveling right now or tuning in, hi, this is Red, White, and Confused, and I'm your host, Heather Evans. I am chatting today with Kimberly Lowe, who has tossed her hat in the ring for the 9th Congressional District here in 2022. We've been talking a little bit about her policy positions. So, Kimberly, let me shift gears just a little bit. Um, there are two issues that I hear a lot from my students and also friends in the community. One of them is healthcare. 
and health mm-hmm. insurance, the lack of affordable health insurance. Exactly. You could have somebody mm-hmm. making a little over minimum wage, their employer offers them health insurance. They can't afford what their employer is offering them. And then when they turn to the marketplace, they can't afford that either. So we have a sure. lot of people who are going without health so insurance I, and not going to the doctor. What, what do you suggest on that? So Heather, I don't have health insurance either. I can't afford health insurance. I have not health, had health insurance for many years now. Um, I actually have a health insurance healthcare expert who worked under two presidential administrations. And what he and I are doing together is we're going through regulations to deregulate because because there are so many regulations and there's so much policy that is costing us, the subscriber, a lot of money. So when you start to look at all of that to deregulate, that's going to drive down the cost of healthcare. Now, he is an expert on this. And again, in my travels, these are the people I've picked up. So it is yeah. so invaluable, the people that have helped me. Incredible. The second issue is actually related to our interview today, which is the lack of internet. Um, students mm-hmm. are constantly talking about this. Friends are talking about this. They they just can't get internet access at their homes. Sure. So there have, been, on yeah, there, have, there have been grants um, for the ninth district that has come in. I've been working with an outside company in order to bring in broadband to rural areas, and they are willing to basically have different places um, just to test it out to see how it goes first. So that, but it's been a slow project, you know, it's not happening quick enough and all of this costs money, Um, but, but there have been federal grants coming in, but yeah, the internet thing is a disaster. I mean, my kids would love it because they want a game, but they can't. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Um, Okay. I'm going to ask you the crystal ball question. So the crystal Mm -hmm. ball is you win the primary against Griffith and then you win the ninth district, you get to Congress. What is the very first issue that you want to work on? Well, the first thing that I would do is I'm going to hire an individual on my team in June, just to focus on community revitalization even before the election. The reality is whoever wins the primary between me and Griffith is going to be your next congressperson. (laughs) You know, and that's just how it is. It's how the lines are drawn. It's a Republican district. Um, So I would like to hire Stacey Carson. She's the mayor in Pound. She's incredibly kind and she loves people and she loves community. And she has had extreme corruption and really so much evil and hate going on in this one town, but she was able to turn it around and create a community center, a place for children to play, a place for seniors to come. And she's been able to pull a community community together. So I want people like that on my team who really care. So she would, she would go in and she would assist with stopping the embezzlement that's happening in our town. So the money goes back into the community. She's going to work on government grants, projects and economic opportunity zones, and work with the small business administration to us to help assist with new business startups, because, you know, it's going to take us, it's not going to take the government. It's going to take us to step up to help our communities She's going to help me with policies that can improve our communities. She's going to help me with making sure we can pull our investors in to do different community projects like ski resorts. 
um, the greenhouse project she can help me with. I also want her, and this is a little more long-term, is making sure we can get fresh food into our schools because we have some low area health outcomes. This would help with obesity and health issues. And I want her to help me partner with broadband, broadband companies to bring in, obviously, broadband and needed areas. And further, um, there are grants for communities so that way kids can be educated on trafficking. And we need to make sure that we get those grants and get those programs started in our schools because the study was only done in Northern Virginia, but they found that trafficking is happening in in every single school in Northern Virginia that they did the study in. And, and this is a grant thing. So that would be the first thing I would do, which is not policy, but it's working on the things that we need. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, if I had a staff, I could just do so much. So, oh gosh, what all would I put into office? Um, well, actually I have another follow-up question sure. to this. So yeah. once you get in office, it, mm-hmm. let's say you win the district and you, you get to Congress. As you know, right now, the um, the House is controlled by Democrats, not by much, but we've got a Democratic majority and the president's party typically loses seats in the midterm, which means I suspect there will be a few less Democrats. Now, that doesn't mean that the Democrats are going to lose the House, but it, I suspect that Republicans may gain a few seats. If that happens, no matter what happens there in terms of the party distribution, you'll be in a bipartisan body. Um, can you give an example to the listeners of a time when you've reached across the aisle and worked with those who disagree with you on, on an important issue? Sure. I've, I've always worked on both sides of the aisle and I actually grew up Democrat. So I've been on both sides. I, um, I left the Democrat party in 2016 because in my opinion, the old Democrat party was the party of the working class. And I think that is now the new Republican party and I'm part of the new party. I mean, the Republican party's broken up. So Again, local politics is nonpartisan. Um, For years now, I've actually been working on both sides of the aisle to work on family court reform and child welfare reforms. So that's already there. And I think a lot of what I'm doing is very, very nonpartisan. You know, I mean, we we need to put people first and put partisan politics to the side. Yeah, a a student of mine actually said the other day that she feels like what a lot of people care about here, the issues, they're nonpartisan issues. It's just that Republicans and Democrats have different ways of thinking about how to solve them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my final so, question today, because we're almost out of time. Oh, bummer. It is, um, it's actually about why people should vote and why they should vote for you. So this is like your elevator speech. So it's a two-part question. The first part is, Tell everyone why they should go vote because you're going to have a primary coming up June 21st. So why should they vote? And then why should they vote for you? People need to go vote because policy affects your daily life. There are over 700,000 people in your district and you need to step up to be a voice for those people. There are people dying, suffering. They don't have food. They don't have jobs. And that is not going to change as long as we continue with the go along, get along Republican politician who's been in office forever. You need to step up for your community. This this is about you, your community, your family. You've got to fight for them. And I will be the fighter for you because there has got to be change. We cannot wait years to help people. It'll be too late. 
Thank you for that. Um, now, for those listening, Kimberly does have a campaign page on Facebook. If you go on Facebook and you search for Kimberly Lowe for Congress, that'll put you in contact with her. Um, and as I mentioned, June 21st, 2022 is the date of the primary. So Kimberly, good luck to you as you thank continue you so much your campaign. And um, thanks for joining me and everyone. Thank you for listening. If you missed any piece of this today, you can catch up again on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week.